We need to temper our expectations and just say they will eat when they're hungry and they will stop when they're full because that is intuitive eating. Your job is, as you know, the division of responsibility. You need to provide a safe, loving, and warm environment for a child and provide them with food. And that is your job. Their job is if they eat the food and when they eat the food. Hi, and welcome to Help Them Bloom, a podcast for conscious parents. All right, parents, raising children is no small job. And how you choose to raise your child during their first years impacts so much of their self-worth and how they'll navigate life. As a child and parenting expert, I'm here on a mission to help you parent intentionally through the messiest of your moments and in a way that feels good to you. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have one of my good friends, but also somebody that I really professionally admire, Miss Monica Alexander Moreno. Should I say Mrs.? She's a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she is the founder of Essence Nutrition. You might see her on Instagram. She has a group practice of eight registered dietitians and two psychotherapists that work with pediatrics and adults. Monica oversees all of Essence private client work while she's focusing on the corporate wellness programming, speaking engagements, non-private client, nutrition consulting services, school wellness programming, and marketing. She's also a mom of two little boys, one of them's a little newbie, and an elderly spaniel who's another child for her. And I love her so much. I'm so excited to have her. Mon, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Today, we are going to talk about two big topics that come up. One of them is intuitive eating, but I want to focus on raising intuitive eaters. I know that's like a buzzword now. I don't know if everybody knows what that means, so we'll probably start by defining it. And then we'll also cover a little bit about picky eating. How does that sound? Sounds great. Cool. So can you tell us, Mon, like what does intuitive eating even mean? So what does intuitive mean? Intuitive means natural, a natural sense. And we are all born with innate hunger and fullness cues. Newborns keep us up all night because they are innately starving all the time because of their rapid period of growth. As we grow and develop, we all still would maintain this natural sense of I am hungry or I am not hungry or I am full. And it can be, you know, naturally swerved by things like illness. If you've noticed in your children, Mm -hmm. when they're sick, they're not as hungry sometimes, or if they're stressed or if they're busy or distracted. But other than that, it would maintain a really glossy, perfect finish. Unfortunately, in today's ages and stages and Uh, for a variety of reasons, we tend to break what's called intuitive eating. And we uh, impose artificial hunger and fullness cues onto our children. And that's when it becomes a problem. Ooh, okay. Say more on how we start to impose that. So we start to impose that, you know, with our very first introduction to solids, where a lot of parents think, oh my gosh, my kid is not eating enough solids. Um, They're only taking one bite or they're not even eating any at all. They're just playing with it. Barely any gets in the mouth. And I'm freaked out about this. And I think they're not going to grow. And, you know, putting that pressure on children and airplane feeding them, you know, with the spoon or saying, you know, or sitting there for an hour and begging them to eat and eat and eat and eat. That creates an unnatural 
natural relationship with uh, with food. You know, the child learns, I number one, have power. I can, you know, really upset my caregiver or parent when they're trying to feed me. And number two, if I don't eat, I am not rewarded, loved, good, special, all of these things. When in reality, an infant uh, some of them are really not interested in much solids besides their milk until they're almost one. And my son, who, as you <clears throat> may know, is quite interested in solid foods, um, he was zero interested in solids until nine months. And I sat there three to four times a day with the pureed grass-fed meat trying to get him to eat. You know, and it's everywhere and it's on the caked onto the dog's tail and on the wall for until he was about nine months. And I just sat there and it was it wasn't food time. It wasn't food eating time. It was just food sensory time. OK, like we're going to sit here for 20 minutes. Yeah, this is like an activity, like instead of staring at, you know, yourself in the mirror for 20 minutes or whatever you do with nine months old, we're going to sit here for 20 minutes. And if any gets in the mouth, that's great. And if it ends up on the dog, that's also great. And, you know, here we go. So we we can start already missing those like natural cues as early as infancy, you're saying. That so is correct. Just with even starting solids, that's an interesting take because I think people probably feel a lot of pressure in how mm -hmm. starting solids is supposed to go. I remember when I, I think the first food I gave Liv was an avocado and she was like, she was really weird. I mean, plain avocado it. is not, it's not that good. It's but not that good. I know. I don't, I don't know why. Great. I was like, Green. Yeah, I, well, no, I, that's a, that's a really safe, you know, and to be a, a very common food, and I support it also. But you know, they're used to getting some sort of liquid that's sweet, um, whether it's breast milk or formula, delivered via nipple. And now there's this whole new experience where they're sitting up and you're looking at them, and there's color. I mean, you yeah. think uh, some kids chow down and think this is amazing. I, you know, I'm born to eat a whole croissant, and others are like, like my son is like, um, excuse me, more mas leche por favor. So you know, it is, well, our expect we need to temper our expectations yeah. and just say they will eat when they're hungry and they will stop when they're full because that is intuitive eating. And realistically, breast milk or formula is still their main source of nutrition until they are one years old. Yeah. You are still breastfeeding or nursing or formula feeding at the same rate and the same ounces through the age of one when they start solids. So, right. you know, or like until they, you know, become a toddler and you start solids around four to six months. So that's, that's something really important. And really the only nutrients that we kind of need to focus on in that six month to one year old period are iron, calcium and, and vitamin D. So, you know, you know, if your kid is barely taking nibbles of anything, we try to set, tell people, you know, let it be uh, sources of iron, like meats and poultry and eggs, um, spinach, beans and tofu for the, the plant-based ones. Cause mm -hmm. that's kind of the, one of the only nutrients that uh, they're at risk of becoming deficient in, in healthy infants until the age of one, when they start, you know, actually eating solids at a normal rate. Got it. So my, my next question was going to be like, how early can you start raising an intuitive eater? But I think you answered that with just even, even yeah. in infancy, as young yeah. as like they're starting solids. Your job is, as you know, the division of responsibility, you need to provide a safe, loving, and warm environment for a child and provide them with food. And that is your job. Their job is if they eat the food and when they eat the food. And then we all get our paychecks that don't exist in motherhood <laughs> and we all go home. Those are the jobs. Okay. So take us into now toddlerhood, which is a little mm -hmm. more... Ah, dynamic. I live here. Welcome <laughs> to my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And and I know you have, you you know, you have a great eater, you have an intuitive eater. And I, I think you were posting that he's getting a little more selective mm -hmm. with the things that he wants and doesn't want. But so how do you, 
Okay. How do you recommend parents honor this with like everything that will come up for them? Like the control stuff, the control Mm -hmm. stuff comes up during mealtime. So like, talk about how that. I I always, I don't know how many times a day I say to my husband with whom you are acquainted, it's the age of autonomy. It's the age of autonomy. autonomy. And because you always say that. And, you know, because yes, even though he particularly has a great appetite and he's very accepting, he'll say, I don't want, last night I made him some Trader Joe's meatloaf. And I was like, here's some Trader Joe's meatloaf. And he was like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I want it. I don't want it. I want turkey. I want turkey. I want turkey. I want turkey. So I could have said, okay, King, like, let me get you some turkey or like, you know, ran out and bought it. I think we actually did. And I was like, no, this is your food. This is your meat. I made it for you. It tastes delicious. You don't have to eat it. I'm just going to leave it right here. Had a panic attack, only ate the sweet potato, only ate the celery. And now he's, he used to eat raw, like any raw vegetable, like radish. Now it's only celery. And I'm like, all right, like he's going through a celery phase in three months. It'll be another vegetable. Mm-hmm. He is eating one vegetable, which is more than, you know, most adults in the world. So after 10 minutes of him, he took the meatloaf and put it off of his plate. And then I took a bite. Joey, my husband took a bite. And then he started eating it going, I don't want the meatloaf. I don't want the meatloaf. <laughs> I don't want eating, the meatloaf. It. <laughs> eating it, ate the whole thing and asked for more. So you really don't get to, we try to like level with toddlers as if they are like us. They're not, they're, they're not. not rational beings. No. And so you're presented with the age of autonomy, irrationality, different appetite, neophobia, fear of new things and, and picky eating quote, which become, can become very well and alive as they approach the age of one, two, three, it can come at any time. Yep. So a lot of people say, oh, my baby would eat anything. My baby would eat, you know, like squash. And now my toddler doesn't want anything. The reality is you can use intuitive eating to your advantage. Your child is going to eat. They are not going to starve themselves. Okay. So um, they will eat and they will eat eventually. If you keep your job, what's your job? Serve the food, make it safe make, you know, make it appropriate for their age and choking and whatever. You keep doing your job. You don't worry about them. They are not going to fall off the growth curve and go on a hunger strike. They are not that smart and they will eventually fall on their intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. The problem is you, mom, dad, caregiver, whomever, you guys get sucker punched and you give in. So if I had last night said, okay, okay, no meatloaf, I'll do turkey. That could have been the very beginning Mm -hmm. of picky eating, picky eating. And that would have built. And then all of a sudden he doesn't want sweet potatoes anymore. And then, and then your list of food whittles down to three things and they're all white and processed and come in a pouch. Right. Hi, so, Liv Brill. <laughs> yeah. So, but my own but daughter you the presentation once where you sent her to bed hungry, like Matt I did. Like, I've know, done that. I've done that where, where she, where wild things are. Yeah. And she ate her breakfast the next yep. day and was like, I never want to go to bed hungry again. And you're like, we yep. have learned. Yeah. So I told you, I told him last night, I said, okay, I'd like to talk about what happened at dinner. You said you didn't want the, the meatloaf. You said you didn't want it. I said, please, you know, I'm just going to leave it here. I didn't say, I didn't say, please try it. Or, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. beg. I just said, okay, I'm going to leave it here. You ate it and you liked it. So what have we learned? And you know, that is a process that you can keep repeating. I'm not sure if he really understood. He's not even three, but you know, so this picky eating selection process Start small and it can become very big, very fast. You need to stick to your guns and realize that you are the captain now. You are in charge. And what is your job? You do the feeding. Yeah. Especially when you have the strong willed temperament ones, you know, like they, everything they do, they do to the, to the X power. Like what they, they're not convinced so easily that there's no other way to get their way. Yeah. And you are, it's not your job to convince them. You're, Mm -hmm. they, your arguments, oh, it's good. Look, it's green. Mommy made it for They don't give a hoot. Mm-hmm. They don't give a flying hoot. So your job is just to say, it's there. This is what's for dinner. If you don't want it, put it in the no thank you pile or take it off your plate. I'll save it for tomorrow or I'll eat it. 
You don't have to eat it. And then if they ask for, I want more sweet potato, because that's what he started to do. He started to ask for more of the stuff that of he did. the didn't stuff like, he wanted. So I was like, no, I'm sorry. There's no more. There's no more sweet potato. It's all gone. Daddy ate it all, you know? <laughs> so I have a question for you, Mon, because I've read like mixed things on when it comes to toddlers, but let's say even even beyond toddlers, even like younger kids or kids. Do you suggest like when you're serving your family meal for it to be like family meal style or do you put stuff on their plate? It depends on the, uh, on your family. Do you all sit down? If that's like your family's jive and you guys sit down and you do family style, then do that. That's more natural and organic for your family. And you know, you don't need to portion and onto his or her plate. If for example, my husband's not home, I'm not eating yet. You know, it's his dinner time only, which, you know, if I had a pickier eater, I probably might eat with him. And cause that's one of the things that we recommend to eat with them to encourage them, but he right. doesn't care if I don't eat for the rest of my life. So, you know, <laughs> If that's your jam, fine. And what you do is you give them a portion that, you know, you might want to start small. Pickier eaters tend to be less overwhelmed with smaller portions. Right. And then obviously they can ask for more and you tell them, listen, if you want more, you just say, I want more, I want more and I'll get you more. But we can start with this. For someone like my son, I give him an adult portion and he eats all of it and, you know, everybody's yeah. happy, you know. So that but just if you have a bowl of pasta there sitting in the center and all they want is pasta, like it's, up, it's your job to limit their portion, right? Even though well, I would, I never really want to limit the portion. What I would do in that case, if you have like, you know, if you're eating family style and there are four elements on the table and there's mm. pasta, salad, meat, and I don't know what else, to be, uh, 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 meatballs, pasta, and salad, let's say. Okay. Okay. Um, you would, you would say, okay, I know you really want the pasta and it's really delicious. I'm going to put some other stuff on your plate just so, you know, they don't get jealous, you know, and you don't, you don't bring health into it. You don't say, oh, cause it has more protein. Your two-year-old doesn't give a hoot about protein. So I'm going to, you know, and make it more colorful and fun. And, you know, you see where they're landing. Now this is what's going to happen. They're only going to eat the pasta, right? And they're going to leave the other ones. And you say, okay, you don't have to eat it, but you have to sit here until we're all done eating because that's the polite and nice thing to do. And when you're done, well, you know, you can help me with the dishes and guess what? They might only eat the pasta for the next, for the rest of their lives and not touch the meatballs or the salad, but you didn't stop trying. You didn't give in to them. My question is more, they want more and more and more pasta. To fill no, themselves. Sorry, That's what I mean about hungry, limiting. Okay. Live. If you're truly hungry, oh, you're, I see you're, you're asking me for more. That tells me you're hungry. Guess what? The meatball and the salad are super delicious. There's no more pasta. If you're hungry, you'll eat that. And if not, you know, we're going to bed and there's no more snacks after. So if you're really hungry, Liv, mm -hmm. then, you know, I would encourage you to, you know, and I talk to him like he's an adult. I'll, I, yeah. I say that. I'm like, if you're truly hungry, I would encourage you and recommend in, <laughs> in Spanish, which is very funny, you know, to, to eat this meatball and salad. It's super delicious. I made it. And I'm eating it too. But if you don't want it, that's cool also. And so they're sitting there with the, you see the wheels turning the little, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, see, they're, they're exploring. I see the wheels and he's like, hmm, hmm. what no. should I do? Because Big you choice. giving them more pasta is you quote giving in. And if you, so that's what I meant. So that's my, that's yeah. my only thing with, I like the family meal style, but I also feel like and she's seven. She's not a toddler. So she knows there's more and yeah. she sees it there. And so she's going to obviously just only choose her safe food mm -hmm. um, in abundance. No, I would say, listen, you ate a really nice amount. I wouldn't say you ate enough. I'd say you ate a really delicious amount of pasta. If you're still hungry, I would encourage you to eat the meatballs and salad. And if not, I'm sorry, that's how, you know, that's, Got it. that's, that's it for the night. And we can have our apple later. Uh -huh. Okay. Perfect. Okay, let's talk a little bit about 
other ways that we can make, like besides infancy and the and the example that you gave about um, the hunger cues and and how we don't some and the full cues are I'm not interested in food yet. But what are other ways as they grow, Mon, that we start to interfere in in this intuitive eating process? Um, so talking about diets and bodies in front of them and mm-hmm. saying like that food's bad, that food's good, you know, moralizing and categorizing foods, um, basically interfering with talking and, and actioning in some word that foods are good or bad and, you know, modeling and also modeling. So, you know, if your child sees you not eating any carbohydrates, but they're sitting there with pasta, they're going to be a little confused. Right. Mm -hmm. And that for older kids may bring up conversations. And then you might say something like, Oh, I'm trying to lose weight or I, mommy doesn't get any pasta. She doesn't deserve any pasta. Like, you know, like, or I didn't work out to like, I don't know. People say all the terrible things. That's, how we really mess kids up with food when they are super young or when they go to parties and, you know, the children are just running amok and eating a million of everything. You're chasing them around, limiting their foods. I don't do that. I let him do whatever he wants. I tell him, if you do that, I'm just letting you know, you might vomit and you might get sick, but by Mm -hmm. all means have the fourth cupcake, you know? And so they learn when they're old foods. So you talk to to him, but like foods are equal. Like there's no good yeah. or bad food. Okay. No. So when do you, I know we, we said, you said toddlers are, you know, we're, we don't talk about healthy versus not healthy with toddlers. Is there yeah, an age care. where you do kind of talk about some foods? Yes. Yeah, so like, oh, and it depends on like that, you know, your kids understanding like seven, eight, nine, if you, mm-hmm. we, when, I mean, they learn about science in the body and stuff and they know what it feels like to be sick and they know what it feels like, what it looks like to be old. Right. right. So, and they know what it feels like to have energy. So bringing in the concepts of sleep, this food will help you sleep better. Mm. This food will give you more energy. This food will make you run faster. This food might help you on the dance floor or the, the dance floor. Yeah, um, something you know, that they can relate to. Right, yeah. something that re- is relatable in their life. Or if you eat too many of this, your belly might hurt. You might feel sick and you might have diarrhea. Remember the time you had diarrhea? Yeah. You know, like stuff that's relatable, but like they don't, you know, bringing weight into it or growth or percentiles or healthy or not. They don't know what healthy means. Like that mm-hmm. word, I don't even know what, like, Mm -hmm. don't know what that means. So taking that off the table and making it more relatable to what is actually in their life realm um, is a better idea and definitely appropriate for older children. Okay. That makes so much sense. Okay. I'm going to switch gears here, but actually stay on intuitive eating, but I'm going to go the other, the other extreme on snacks, 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 snacks all day. So what, okay. So these are kids asking for snacks all day. How do you handle that? How do you know? Is this real hunger? Is this? Um, well, snacks do have a place for kids and a lot of adults like forgo snacks and we forget that like we need to eat snacks too. So most children and adults need a morning snack and one to three PM or afternoon snacks, depending on what time dinner is. So it's not that weird that they're, you think they're eating snacks all day. Like it's like I eat three snacks a day. No, like it's not, not three snacks a day. So, snacks all right. day. <laughs> right. So, but the problem is when they displace, you know, meal foods when they basically take the place of meal foods and, or what are you providing as snacks? So the problem with snack culture is that it's mostly carbohydrates and that doesn't keep us full. I could eat an entire bag of chips and like, I mean, I'd probably be full, but you can't eat an entire 40 ounce bag of almonds, right? Or a 40 ounce bag of yogurt. So 
you know, I am never one to say, you know, oh, you're not, you know, you're not hungry. Like, yeah, I mean, to a toddler, they might not really know hunger and fullness yet. But like, for example, Liv, like, you know, like she knows when she's hungry and full, like she's not lying. But if you're get, I don't know what you give her as snacks, but if one were to give her a bunch of pirates booty, for example, marathon, 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 of Are course she's going to keep being hungry and act. No, I've only seen peaches in your house. You know, they're going to be, they're not going to be full. And she's going to ask, I would ask for snacks all day if you're only giving me carbs. Right. And it doesn't matter if they're healthy, organic, or, you know, it's seaweed puffs or whatever that is not filling. So yeah. number one, try to have snack boundary times. We have snack at 10 a.m., after school and maybe four to 5 PM. If you are, if you're hungry, it's like the, the auxiliary snack, right? Yeah. So you have to have snack boundaries or it, you know, it depends on your schedule. We have snack before soccer, after soccer, right? There are snack times. Okay. And that's not to say that there is no snack outside of snack times, but like, you know, if your kid had eight ounces of yogurt and a banana at four, they're not hungry at four forty-five. Right. Like there's something else going on there with, you know, an emotion. That's emotion. really what I mean. That's really what I mean. It's sort of like when, you know, they just, had either a meal or they just had something filling. But it's what I'm seeing. I'll tell you what I'm seeing with Liv. It's just now at this point, it's association. So she turns on the TV and the TV comes with a snack. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I'm seeing, so is, so what do you recommend there? Is it, is it sort of educating her on, again, on like hunger cues and on habits and and things like that? And like reorganizing a little bit the the snack times and all of that like what would you recommend there so i would reorganize her thoughts and say live like what did we just eat and she'll say i had a yogurt and i'll say okay did you feel full after you eat that yogurt and she'll be like oh my gosh yes it was so good okay well i think what's happening here correct me if i'm wrong live is that we sat in front of the tv and at at grandma's house or you know with <laughs> grandpa you are used to having a snack in front of the tv and that's definitely okay sometimes but i don't think you're actually hungry right now does your belly feel empty does it feel full is it kind of hurting you a little so you know i if you're and remember oh it's five o'clock we're gonna eat dinner in, mm-hmm. in like an hour or so and i just don't want you to you know sit in front of the tv and start eating and then you're not going to pay attention to how delicious your snack is because when we're watching tv we can't pay attention to both things so I'll tell you what, let's watch an episode of, well, I don't know what she watches. And if you still want a snack after, we can have a snack after. Okay. And guess what? She's not going to. So know, starting to really like break that, that really yeah. strong association. I, I no snacks in front of the TV ever. I, I don't think that's realistic. Like I eat in front of the TV. You know, like, me too. But I not- do, but I am finding Mon, and I know that the part of intuitive eating and correct me if I'm wrong is also like this aspect of mindfulness around your eating right and so what i'm seeing is this total lack of mindfulness when she's eating she's like doesn't even know she's eating and she's eating you know what i mean that's what happens in front of the tv you know so that's the problem and that's the like you know fear or whatever like we don't want those associations to be all the time just like you know one time and this is a like an overarching concept in nutrition for adults and children like one cupcake is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Like one birthday party is not a problem. It's when it becomes a habit, you know? And we have this fear that if like, oh my God, he had a cookie one time, now he's going to want a cookie every single day, you know, forever and ever and ever. And like, it doesn't usually work like that, but I'd rather organize a conversation around the behavior and work through it with them. Like, okay, let's talk about hunger and fullness and how we're not mindful yeah. in front of the TV instead of being like, no snacks in front of the TV, you know? Rah. Right, right, right. So we don't want to be extreme and radical about it. We just want to open it to like, observations and curiosity around it. Yeah. And let's talk about how we. And it, it's just, it's just part of being flexible. So with uh-huh. my son, we, d- I didn't like, 
per, per, when he was of uh, malleable age, I never let him watch iPad or TV when he was eating. Now he's two, two and a half or two and a half, almost three. He'll be like, I, I want to watch TV. And, you know, and then he'll take his like, he doesn't really take his meals there. He doesn't want to, but he'll take like a snack and I'll be like, okay, like, it's okay this one time. And sometimes I let it and sometimes I don't. And he, yeah. you know, he knows he's now been conditioned to like, it's a sometimes thing. It's a sometimes thing. Okay. Talk about, talk about desserts a minute. Cause I know you, <laughs> you like to say, cause I heard you say it's a sometimes thing. So talk yeah. about how your, your take on desserts and treats and. I think desserts. I mean, I, I am, I am a dessert person. I'm not like a chips person. So what is the dessert landscape in your family, right? So if you're a family that des- that serves dessert every with every meal, great. Then your kid is going to have dessert every night with with their meal. And they they say to serve dessert with the meal to not novelize it. I mean, I'm fine with that. I just like to respect the culture and flow of the family meal and not like do something different or weird for the kid. So if you like don't bring out dessert just for him, you know, and then everybody else has to wait till after, right? So that's mm. that would be so if your family eats dessert every day, then your kid is going to have dessert every day. Cause you're not allowed to say that, oh yeah, the parents get dessert and you don't kind of a thing. Like right. that's not fair. So, but if dessert, let's say is at a party or at a, you know, a restaurant depend obviously depends on the age. Like Jocko doesn't ask for desserts at restaurants because he doesn't really know that they're there. But like <laughs> if Liv does, you can be like, okay, Liv, I'll split it with you. Or okay, Liv, you can- it's a sometimes thing, right. you know, and you don't really define it for them. And, and, and that makes it just like, not as um, you know, high anxiety surrounded. And like I said, at birthday parties, like you really can't control, like you just got to hang back. You got to hang back. Oh yeah. She goes full, full. Yeah. Hog wild. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing I've heard you talk about desserts, which is a really important thing we think, I think we covered today is, uh, linking it like to reward, like as a reward, using it as a reward. So explain that to, Yeah, we don't, we, number one, we don't reward it for like behaviors or grades or anything. We don't give it as an external reward for older kids. Number two, why not? Because I mean, that assigns and weights food as good or bad, or I earned it, or I am worthy. And my worth is defined by what I eat. And, Mm. you know, like, I mean, you could probably better explain that, but I can. Um, No, that's a great explanation. But like in the meal, like, okay, eat your broccoli and then you get dessert will take away the mindfulness and the value and the fun of broccoli. And you be, what you get then is you get a mindless experience of a kid racing through a meal just to get to dessert. Mm-hmm. You novelize dessert and you make dessert really special and fun and exciting. And the meal is not so fun and exciting. And then you create adults like someone I know who I shall not name, who told me the other day, you know, I only eat vegetables to live. I actually really hate them. I actually just want to eat dessert all day. And I think that probably came from some aspect of eat this and then you get your dessert. So are you one of those um, believers in serving dessert with the meal or it depends. It- it, it, I mean, it depends what, what is the flow of your family? Like depends on your family, right. Yeah. And your you guys serve dessert with the meal or is it like after, I mean, like, for example, I, we had breakfast the other day and dessert was served. Dessert was there, like it right. was on the counter, but on we all buffet. ate it after the meal. I would have made him wait. Cause I would have been like, we're all not eating dessert right now. Like we're going to eat our meals first and we're going to enjoy and, de- and enjoy our delicious bagels. And then we'll have the, the, you know, the bread pudding and the cake because you don't want your, you don't want to do like, it's different with an allergy kid. Obviously I have to like be a little more like special with him, but like, you know, you don't want to novelize or put anything on a pedestal just for him. Yeah. So really you're, you're sort of modeling the way and they're doing whatever you're doing as a family. Exactly. A hundred percent. Okay. This all sounds uh, really dandy. What are some of the biggest parenting challenges that you feel like you get? 
well, in the pediatrics world, that is. So there's two. There's kids who are struggling with, you know, their their providers sent them to us for being or having too much weight, I guess. And then there's the picky eating, like there's the picky eating eating spectrum um, children, you know, or parents who feel that their kids aren't eating enough, but in reality they are. We, the first thing we look at, no matter who the child is or what their quote issue is, um, is growth over time. You know, so if a child is growing on their own curve in a linear fashion within, you know, whatever percentiles are normal for them historically, then that empirically tells me that whatever they are intaking is appropriate for growth and development. Mm-hmm. Now, it might not be the healthiest or, you know, whatever healthy means or the most nutrient dense or balanced. And that's what I'd like to work on. And there might be behavioral issues at play that I'd like to work on and parental issues at play and, you know, a million other things. And that's what we work on. But I am most concerned in the pediatric population with growth and development. Remember okay. when Liv only ate tops of waffles and I was like, she's <laughs> growing, you know, so she was like, always like on top of that curve. Yeah. And the, the pediatrician would always because I would bring that up. I'd be like, you know, sure, her foods are really limited. And she the pediatrician would be like, not even look at me twice. She's like, she's on the curve. She's fine. Right. She's she's I'm nourished. not saying that doesn't matter. And that perhaps at that point we could have maybe done some things to I could have done many different things. Mediate and I the eating. I think it's like temperament, you know, and you do a lot of temperament work. If a kid is an ang- if you know, kid's an angry baby. He's going to be an angry baby, right? But there are things we can do to maybe make him not as angry. Um, If a kid is, some kids are just born really like food motivated. Like there's the boxers of the world and there's the cavaliers of the world. like The jocko of the world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's always wiggle room with food and nutrition. It might not be as pendulous as you expect, like a pendulum, but there's always wiggle room. Yeah. Something that I, that I know, you know, I know where I went wrong and it's not, I don't, I don't say this in a blaming or shaming way to myself. Like I give myself grace. Like I also had live was under the care of a few caregivers. Right. So, mm-hmm. so she, her dad and I were living in separate homes. She also had the nanny. She also had my mom and everybody would feed her in a different way. Would meal time. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. So, so something, if I could rewind and do it all over. And I know that this is what I would recommend also to parents. I'm sure you do too, is whatever you're going to do, like if there's not consistency, it's not going to work. So like when it's, that's, when you're, that's every behavior, right? Yeah. That's everything in parenting. Like if you're yeah. trying to change and shape anything, if you can't be consistent, it's just really hard for it. And also like, again, you're talking about temperaments. There's kids that will adapt a lot easier, but there's kids that are going to be challenging these like sudden, you know, boundaries or norms, or, you know, now we're more structured, or now we have different variety of foods, they're not, they're going to be like, what? Like, I'm used to having my, you know, my, my tops of waffles only. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll never forget the day I ran into and she and she was eating that. I was Um, like, what? She? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so consistency is really big. But if you could give, like, in a, in a nutshell, if you could give parents like one, two, three, setting them on a good path for intuitive eating and just open to, to trying new foods, like what would the, your one, two, three be? Make mealtimes positive, pressure-free, and playful. Okay. okay. So your your mood and your tone and your body language is mm-hmm. huge going into mealtime. Um, and pressure-free for you too. Like, okay. you know, like whatever. That's awesome. Explain that. Off, you okay. Know? Like, well, you do the feeding, they do the eating, right? They may not eat at all. They may eat four times the amount you do. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Number two, model 
good relationship with food behavior. Okay. And don't let your uh, mishigas with food trickle down into your children's uh, sphere of understanding and influence. Okay. And number three, remember that you are in charge and you are the boss and your kid will not starve themselves. They ill, they will eat eventually. If there's a growth issue that, you know, deserves to be unpacked and investigated, but children are intuitive eaters at by nature and you can harness it, reclaim it and foster it. Even if you have dabbled a little, a bit away from it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mon. Um, tell people where they can find you. Um, napping. No. Um, <laughs> my Instagram is eat like Monica. And for uh, sessions with our dietitian team, including our pediatric dietitian team, you can find us and get more information at hello at essencenutritionmiami.com. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait Thanks. to do part two. I want to do something. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank, Thank you, Mon. Thanks for hanging out with me today. To keep up with the latest episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And to keep up with the latest content and workshop offerings, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You can do this on my website, www.hatchandbloom.co. You can also catch me on Instagram at Hatch and Bloom Co. See you soon.